Hello, and welcome to Shakespeare, the roundtable discussion podcast where we talk about Shakespeare. My name is Chase, your mostly quiet producer. Today, we talk about the surprisingly dark comedy, Twelfth Night. If you like what we're doing here, please make sure to check out our network, ghostlightmedia.net, and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher will let you. A quick programming note, uh, we did have a small issue with Beth's mic this and next episode. Uh, We do have her audio, uh, but unfortunately it's not quite as clear as the past couple of remote episodes have been. As always with us, though, the show must go on, and on with the show. Everybody thinks I work for the government. Or at least they think I should know where the stimulus checks are. (laughs) Funny how that works, right? (laughs) I I don't. You work in a bank, you therefore know where the stimuli are. Yeah, you have it. Are you hiding it? I get such great joy in making sure that you can't find your money. It's sick. Mm -hmm. In fact, the bank pays me more to make sure you don't have it. I mean, kind of. It's called putting your money with a financial advisor, so it's really hard to get at. Financial advisors don't want your stimulus check either. (laughs) (laughs) They're not doing anything with it. I mean, that's really impressive. Chase doesn't work for the bank anymore, but we still just let people check the bank talk square off their bingo card. Look, bank talk is always going to work. Chase made me a promise Mm -hmm. that we would continue to annoy you by continuing to talk about banking. You don't have to use bank talk to annoy the shit out of us. Nah. Oh, Chase. I think that's a challenge. Is it, though? Because we can annoy him anyway. But bank talk is a really good venue. That's what I'm saying. Is We could find you in different ways Mm -hmm. to annoy Ryan. We should make a bingo card for how to annoy Ryan. Mm, I I guess you guys should be really happy that we're not recording in person tonight, then. I I am. I am. (laughs) because otherwise uh you could hit me (laughs) and right now i'm like a solid 45 minute drive from you yeah it's about an hour to get to your house from mine yeah that would be commitment honestly you'd forget why you were annoyed on the way up no i wouldn't i would drive farther to give beth a good old smackaroo ryan has held annoyance grudges for 20 years no, I haven't. I don't hold grudges. Ryan has brought up things he's been annoyed about for 20 years. He doesn't <laughs> think it's a grudge, but it's technically the definition of a grudge. No, hate, like hating Romeo and Juliet. I've hated my whole life. I don't have a grudge. Now, you're like that little girl from, from The Grudge, but with the long hair, except it's your beard, and you just put it up over your face. Oh, and okay. It, well, when you talk about Romeo and Juliet, I hear the grudge death rattle as well. <laughs> I'll make you happy with with beer. Because this is the Shakespeare podcast. Oh, it is. As a matter of fact, the Shakespeare podcast. Who are you? I'm Beth Beth Roy. (laughs) I was waiting for you to say it. You go first. No, you usually go first. No. switch off. This is the Shakespeare podcast, and I'm Beth Roars. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I hate Ryan. <laughs> it's not, not a grudge. You just hate him. Winning. <laughs> Winning. And we are talking about yet another Shakespeare show that Ryan doesn't like tonight. I do I, not. I am excited for this for a variety of reasons. One, I do enjoy this show. I think it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, and I have a role that I want to see Ryan play. I think Ryan would make an excellent Sir Toby. I think he'd be great at it. I've played Sir Andrew Aguecheek before. This play is terribly written schlock. That doesn't mean that there are not things of value in it, but it is poorly written. It is one of his worst plays. Look, it, disagree. it has given us some of the greatest cinema, though. There are no good lines in this play. So, for, are you kidding? The first line of the play is one of the most quoted Shakespeare lines of all time. Most misquoted Shakespeare what, lines most of all Most misinterpreted, time. yeah. Because um, that's not what he means. And we're, we're yeah. going to get to that. Yeah. The not play what is Twelfth Night, by the way. Uh, oh, know, I thought we said it. Sorry. We didn't. We didn't <laughs> no, we didn't. The, um, the play is Twelfth Night. Yes. This is June 13th, and this is Twelfth Night. We were all busy yesterday, Otherwise, <laughs> we did talk about it. It makes no difference to people listening. But there are no, because they're not be... even going to listen to it on the twelfth either. No, it's going to be so far away. And actually, it's going to be like the seventeenth, eighteenth. I haven't really checked yet. I I'm excited because we get to talk about Amanda Bynes. Yes, we do. I'm going to find a way to bring cats into this. Why is talking about Amanda Bynes exciting though? Uh, because I find that it will be annoying to you, and that thrills no, me. Like, <laughs> not annoying. She's a non-entity. Uh, okay, well, she's going to come up today. She's going to come up today. Because when I said, hey, we're doing Twelfth Night today, babe, my husband then responded with, isn't that the one that the Amanda Bynes movie was based off of? <laughs> like, yes! Yes, that's the takeaway I want you to have. <laughs> I was very excited for it. But yeah, so we're talking about Twelfth Night. This is, I feel like this is one of the better known Shakespeare's. I feel like I the... think it gets performed pretty frequently, especially by, I feel like this is one of the ones that younger groups, high schools do. Well, it, I think it translates really well. I don't know. I've I really don't hear about this play very often. I would never I feel like the name this gets, is a well known play. I feel like the name gets said a lot. Like as far as titles of Shakespeare plays. It was brought up in it was brought up in Shakespeare in Love, which may have caused people to have more interest in it because that movie when it came out in the nineties would have affected you know Us. our you know, our age range and younger. So maybe that's why. I feel like this play gets confused with As You Like It a lot. Um, and Comedy of Errors, because it's, again, it's an identity play. But I love it. Yeah, it's an identity play. There's twins, mistaken identities. There's this a rich not even, there's not all, even, there's not even like, a bit of a Shakespeare shuffle. Play. Like, if there is a there's comedy... There's a shipwreck. Yeah, there's a shipwreck. There's mistaken... There's not a mistaken identity. There's hidden identity. There's well, there's also, creepy, there is also mistaken identity. There's a creepy uncle. There's an unnecessarily long mourning period or vow that is taken and quickly discarded. Like, this has all of the quintessential comedy tropes that Shakespeare writes about. And Ryan might find it to be fluff and gross because it's probably just like somebody took a sifting pan and sifted out all the things that Shakespeare likes to put in his comedies. I'm just like, eh, all of them. Let's do all of them. It it is it is Shakespeare shuffle. Shakespeare shuffle. Like there is a lot of sundry elements from other shows that we've discussed 
that show up in here, uh, he had a set of tropes that he liked to work with. And I think a future episode, like there is a future episode in us coming up with alternative plots using a lot of these elements. I have Shakespeare I Munchkin. Feel- and I I'm expecting to be able to build this from Shakespeare Munchkin. I right. feel that we could be able to put this together much more, co- much more coherently than Shakespeare did. That sounds like uh, that's part of a second podcast. That's... It sounds like that's a pin. Well, what's it say? It says, do the Shakespeare shuffle. Oh. And uh, I think we should definitely hang on to that for later discussion. But right now, we should dive into the plot. And diving in is exactly what Violet and Sebastian did to the ocean after they're shipwrecked. (laughs) Okay. But that's... Don't get ahead of yourself. Let's start with that. A Beth segue there. That was pretty good. I'm not going to lie. And in fact, that's the way the Helen and Bobby Carter version does start with the shipwreck but let's start instead with that i do i do actually this brings up the beer that i brought uh for today what'd you bring Uh, legitimate swells from twin oast uh it's a local brewery to oh you got uh, two in there you got the name of the beer and the name of the brewery are relevant yep that's right and the uh the image is some waves in in a wee little boat but you can't see that from you know listening to your podcast i also picked a i also picked a wave variant Uh, i picked longboard by kona brewing excellent Uh, again has people getting to shore and i like the beer so it won and I'm drinking whatever alcohol is left over in the fridge that I like. Chase will go fetch for me at some point. Are you playing the two fingers? Like anything left in the house that's two fingers or less, you can go ahead and drink it? <laughs> no. No, there's just some ciders in there that Cassie was unaware we had. Oh, that, we used to well, play. Well, that's good too. Like I'm good with that too, but the other game is a lot more fun. And We also agreed. used to play uh, whatever was on top of the fridge. <laughs> why, don't you drink, why don't you drink the fid- fridge liquor? Drink that vermouth. At this point, it's like a third of a bottle of vodka, I think. There's some great pucker, some vermouth. (laughs) (laughs) And some some slim fast. What are you going to do with it? Hey, that's how I made mother's milk. (laughs) I know. know. It was gross. (laughs) It was delicious. You're wrong. You weren't even there that night. There's no way it was good. It was delicious. Okay, so this place starts, as Beth said, with one of the most often um, incorrectly interpreted lines in all of Shakespeare, which is, if music be the food of love, play on. But that phrase does not end with a period. It ends with a comma. The (laughs) thought continues. Because people use it as like, oh, that's such a sweet sentiment. If music is the food of love, play on so that my love will grow because it's well fed. No, it's but so that I can have the line. Yeah, I want to have so much of this that it makes me violently ill and I stop wanting it. <laughs> yes, Orsino is complaining about being in love. He doesn't want to be in love because right. his love is unrequited. A, like a lot. Like, like very, very like much. a lot. Like Ooh, man, does so she really not... a duke? Yeah, really. He's in love with Olivia, well, Lady he, Olivia. He's yeah. and, and the worst part is he's convinced himself that he's in love. He like barely knows this woman. 
people. Right. And he's convinced that she should be able to love him. He has a lot of incorrect thoughts on love. That's fine. He does. We'll go through. He he learns. But Olivia is in mourning uh, for her, her father and her brother who passed away. Right. And so Orsino can't go himself to the house because she's in mourning and she won't receive him. She won't receive gentlemen callers or go see anything entertaining or anything like that. For seven years. She yes. is dedicated to, to live in recluse for seven years. She's not supposed she's to be in the company of men. Like, uh, I love my husband dearly, but if you pass away... <laughs> I would not isolate myself from everybody else that I know for seven years. I know it'd be ten. <laughs> oh, 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 ten, ten minutes. It would be forever. I would become the mad woman in the attic. Cassie would build a widow's walk just, just to walk just, it. Just to walk it after midnight in a long, flowing white lace dress with some strategically placed lights. Cassie Haversham. Yes. Uh, no, but so Orsino's complaining to his his valet and his servant about why won't Olivia love me? Because <laughs> you're whining. So Somebody fix it. And Valentine's like, yeah, I will fix it. Why don't we go do what everybody does when they don't want to be in love anymore? Let's go kill shit. So they go they go for a hunt. How is hunting a deer going to make you forget? I don't know. Distraction. Yeah, I so say maybe he just needs to get a little bit of time away. Right. Well, I mean, he's so delusional. He's like, oh, seven years. She will put herself away for seven years. She must really know how to love. And if she can <laughs> love her brother that much, she can definitely love me that much. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. So then we meet Viola um, and a ship captain. And Viola has been shipwrecked. She was on a ship traveling with her brother. Her brother has been claimed by the ocean. She alone and this captain and these couple of seamen survived and made it to shore. They're the only survivors. They're the only survivors, and that is really emphasized. They are the only survivors of the shipwreck. Her brother definitely did not survive. Everyone, everyone is dead. There's no way. They thought maybe he might, because they saw him on a raft. But he didn't. But he, he didn't. Definitely He's dead. definitely dead. And we're definitely not going to check anymore no. or we will anywhere not, else. We're not going to walk down a beach. We don't, need, we don't need any kind of clarification that nope. he is or is not dead. We know he's dead. He could not be in that waterproof cabinet inside the boat. Oh, no, they got a waterproof got a dead box? Lady in it. Well, don't all ships have a waterproof box? No? Clearly the twins were traveling with Pericles and that's where they got into trouble. Pericles cruise lines uh, are terrible. We, we fucking told people. We they said, don't sail with Pericles. Don't Pericles cruise Pericles cruise lines. Just don't. Yeah, just entertainment. Don't. The... Entertainment's good, but you're not gonna get where you're going. <laughs> or he'll leave you somewhere else when you get there. So Viola's asking the captain, you know, where have we landed? And he tells her, and she goes, "It's not gonna be safe for me to be here as a female." For reasons that are never fully explained. They're completely arbitrary and they make no sense, but there I... can be a little bit of meta theater with that, um, yeah. especially with the way that the end of the play happens. 
Yeah. So she says, if you, Captain, will get me some male garb and introduce me to this this Duke Orsino who rules over this this area, maybe I can be a servant with him and thus have protection. I'll pretend to be a boy and I'll work in his house and that will keep me safe until I can figure out what I need to do next with my life. Yes, for, for absolutely no reason, Illyria is unsafe for women. I don't know. I don't know if it's absolutely no reason. I mean, we've seen in other Shakespeare plays where people watch, like they wash up from shipwrecks and they're sold directly into prostitution. These things happen. And it could also be if she's alone in the world, her father is dead, her brother is dead, so she doesn't have any family left and she doesn't have any money. And it may be that as a woman, she wouldn't be able to get hired well she um, tries first to she tries to talk to the captain first about olivia and going to work for olivia and the captain is like no 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 she's in mourning for seven years and she won't let you into her house and she's like oh well then i'll go be a eunuch for the duke it's a good job it's a good job yeah steady pay and so then we go so that's the plan viola embarks on that plan and then we go to Olivia's household, and we meet her uh, maid, Mariah, and, and... And her creepy Uncle Toby. Her creepy Uncle Toby. Sir Toby Belch. Maria is another one of... Or Mariah? Sorry, did I say it right? Mariah. We, it, Maria? Mariah. spelled way, Maria. Mariah. It is, but in Shakespeare's time, that was pronounced Mariah. Ugh. I Either forgot. Way. You had a time-traveling machine. Shakespeare time machine. Shakespeare time machine. Um, And so so Toby has a friend. Sir Andrew Aguchik. Who he's bringing in to court Olivia. Well, yeah, Andrew Aguchik is a a squire who is a uh, suitor for Olivia as well. And clearly, to everybody else around, Olivia is not interested. Not going to happen. But he's got money. And so creepy Uncle Toby is stringing them along for some cash. Well, and these are these yeah. are the comic relief. They are, yeah, and they are very much so. I love this plot line. Uh, I love the fact that this play has a variety of very smart women, and Mariah is she's whip smart. I love her. She's always fucking with people, and you know I love that. But yeah, so Sir Andrew is an idiot. Um... He just is. You can play him as a lovable idiot, but he's just an idiot. And well, pretty much all of Shakespeare's knows... idiots can be played is either lovable yeah. or, you know, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. And everybody knows that he doesn't have a chance with Olivia except him. Like even Sir Toby, who brought him there, knows that there's absolutely no chance Olivia's going to want anything to do with him. Oh, for sure. But why not buy? Like, keep him around. He's buying the beer. What harm's it doing? Well, Sir, Sir Toby Belch is like a poor man's John Falstaff, so. It's true. It's and tr- so in this scene, Andrew is getting frustrated because Olivia won't even see him. Like, she won't even come out of the house to meet him. And he's basically saying, what am I doing here? Why am I here if she won't even see me? And Sir Toby's trying to convince him, no, 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 you have a chance. You should stay. Well, Sir, Sir Toby's trying to stick, get him to stick around. Yeah, uh, you just hear, uh, why are you, just practice some dancing. Why don't you just, 
work on your courting arts. I'll help you. Stick with me. We'll get there. Yeah. Creepy. So then we go back to, we, we skip some time. We skip about like three months. Well, say their 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 revelry and things gets them in trouble with uh, the most Not annoying yet. character in the play. Not uh, yet. We don't meet Malvolio yet. He is pretty annoying. Nearly, but not quite. First, we we move back to the Duke, and we see Viola as Cesario is her male name. And she's been taken in, and not only taken in as a servant, but she's actually become a confidant of the Duke. He trusts her implicitly, and he's going to send her to Olivia to woo Olivia in his stead. That's a good idea. Only good things can come from this. Yeah. I I mean, it works so well in Cyrano. Um, It works so, you know. You know, it's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. It never works. And it's also terrible because Viola, in disguise, in this household for three months, has herself fallen in love with Duke Orsino, but can't now say to him, oh, hey, I'm not actually a boy. I mean... I fit the premise of a eunuch and that I don't have a penis. Well, eunuchs don't necessarily I, not have a penis. That's true. It all depends. If the, if it was just taking, you know, you know, stem and root and everything, or if it was just, you know, if they were just castrated. Thank you. What? You know what? Castration talk here on the Shakespeare podcast? I don't mind castration talk. We can talk about castration some more if you'd like. (laughs) I think we should barrel on ahead with the plot. Okay, let's do that. That's my opinion. Um, But they have one of these conversations that gets peppered in here quite often about uh, Orsino observing that, you know, Cesario, uh, you're very feminine yourself. Yes, Duke, I am. Cricket, well, cricket, cricket. Actually, she I keeps think... trying to not lie. Like she doesn't want to build the lies, and all like well, it, this, it, and it this, brought up this often is... that she's trying to not lie. Yeah, this is kind of a pin, too, um, and it ties right. into the end of the play, um, with her not. Um, trying to get away with not being a boy, but as in that she uh, is at least, at the very least, androgynous or maybe non-binary or something along those lines where dressing as a boy and things like that is not, you know, not something that is foreign to violence. Pretty fluid for you know, she gender could. fluid or non-binary or... Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot that you can do with this play with gender identity and sexual orientation and... Well, I think it, well, I think it's really more obvious at the end, but yeah. But there are little hints like this throughout that, you know... Yeah. Especially because at, in Shakespeare's time, Viola would have been played by a boy... Who was then playing a female who was then playing a boy. 
a boy playing a girl playing a boy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of uh, androgyny and, and gender fluidity and things like that were really easy to play into certain, you know, roles yeah. like this. Okay, that's a good pin. Yeah, we will definitely discuss that. Um, as we move forward, we go back to Olivia's house. We introduce the clown. His name is Feste. Feste. And he's, you know, your typical... He's he's the very much the wordplay clown. He's very much the, I'm going to be smart and witty and twist your words around and make you smile. Which... Kind of clown. I love the work. I love the interactions between him and Mariah. Because she is also very clever with wordplay. Yeah. And so there, there are huge parts of this play when we're talking about this particular subplot. Um, that's just them showing how smart they are. Yeah. Which you like, I'm good with it. Do it. <laughs> Makes me happy. Keeps it going. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And Olivia comes in and she goes, take the fool away. She doesn't want any part of it. And he enters into this little bit of wordplay banter by saying, you heard what she said, take the lady away. <laughs> and so they have this this back and forth about him proving that Olivia herself is a fool because she's in mourning for her her brother who died. And if he's dead and gone to heaven, then why should she mourn him? Shouldn't she be happy? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Malvolio comes in. And he is the worst. He is a stick in the mud. I See, I was going to say wet blanket because he takes every good situation and just like, because Olivia started to perk up a little bit. Like, the fool is making her happy. She agrees that he can stay. And then in walks Malvolio, and he's like, Mistress, I'm grumpy. And ruins the whole thing. He's a stickler. He is the the head of the household, basically. He's like the the steward. He's the, the major and, domo or the steward. Yeah, the major or... domo. And he... He just wants things to be run in a way that is orderly. He is in love with Olivia and... Because who isn't? Yeah. And he... Well, Cesario isn't. <laughs> um, But he just wants... He just wants things to be... In their place and orderly in the way that they're supposed to be. And, of course, you've got Sir Toby and Andrew Aguecheek and... The clown, who are agents of chaos, and beautiful, that beautiful chaos, doesn't jive. No, but don't worry, they got come up and squirm. I am gonna die on this hill tonight. Malvolio does not deserve what this play does to him. No, I agree with that. He is a piece of shit, but the so is everyone that takes part in the plot against Malvolio as well. It's he one of the biggest of reasons I do not like this play. He is a piece of shit, but he does not deserve to be literally tortured and gaslit. But we're yeah, getting ahead of ourselves. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. How it's, do we get is, there? You fine. Fine. If you're going to call one it of, gaslighting. I am going to call it gaslighting. It is literally one of the reasons that I do not like this play. And oh, Ryan, that is valid. It is my least favorite part of this play. And I'm going to stick a pin there because I've got an important point that I want to make. I am a terrible person because I think it's kind of fun. We already knew you were a terrible person. 
And this we will also talk about more in the next episode, but I would really recommend, I don't know if you're going to be able to anymore, but when National Theater was doing their, like, week at a time streams, one of the ones that they released was their production of Twelfth Night, where Malvolio is actually played by a woman and played as a woman character. And they really did not shy away from how awful what is done to her is. All right, I am... I'm really and interested I, I, in hearing. Yes. I will ta- I will definitely talk about that production more in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, Mariah comes and tells Olivia, there's a man from the Dukes who is here at the door. He's here to court you some more. And Olivia's like, uh, who? And Mariah's like, it's actually a new guy. Well, he's, uh, he's never been here before never been here before tell you what i'll put a veil on and then he can come i'd like to see a new face he's not going away anyway none of them do none of them and and sir toby is drunk and that causes problems sir toby and sir andrew are drunk together hates and they just kind of like stumble through scenes wasted yeah, that's, it's like that's it's like my yeah. Just Toby is never not wasted. Yeah. He's never not drunk. Well, that's you know the whole Sir Toby Belch name. Yeah. Um, but Malvolio doesn't like him, and he doesn't want him to be there, and he's constantly trying to get Olivia to kick him out. And Olivia would love to kick him out, but he is her uncle, and so there's that familial obligation to an extent. Um. But Malvolio also comes in and says, because originally she told Mariah, send him away. I don't want to talk to this boy at the gate. And then Malvolio comes back in and goes, he's not leaving. He won't go. He's being very stubborn. And Olivia's like, who is this guy? And Malvolio starts giving a description of him. And then Olivia's like, oh, he sounds kind of cute. Actually, let him in. Let me talk to this. Let me talk to this young lad here. But I think she's kind of expecting because she hears that he's young and that he's like untried and unseasoned. And I think she's kind of expecting to like let him in so she can chew him up and spit him out and send him back to Orsino. But instead. But instead. Viola comes in and she is there on Orsino's behalf and she has this speech from him that she's memorized. But she walks in and, and all of the handmaidens, Olivia and all her handmaidens, they're all veiled and she doesn't know which one. She doesn't know Olivia. who's who. And she doesn't want to give this big romantic speech to the wrong person. And so they have this conversation back and forth and, and Viola's very well spoken. She's a gentleman's daughter, so she's well educated. Yeah, very educated, very well spoken. And she's she's very empathetic and she's I played her so I have maybe a slight bias but um I have a big bias for her as well especially the her little her monologue in this particular scene is one of my favorites the make me a willow cabin at your gates yeah yeah I I love it so Viola not knowing what to do she decides to go off script, like you said. And so she, instead of saying what the Count wants to say, because 
Olivia's already said, nah, I don't really know anything against the Count. I just, like, I'm not there for it. I'm not into him. I'm I not, don't I, like, like him. It's not that he's got bad breath. I just, I'm not there for it. Just not, just not ringing any bells here. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to speak to her like I would be speaking to the Duke. And so the Because love... she wants, yeah, she wants to do right by Orsino. She hates that she's been sent on this task because she's in love with him, but because she loves him, she is going to do her damnedest to win the heart of this woman for her master. And it works. She's going to give it the old kind college of. try. Cut. Yeah. So, mm, yeah. Well, it works. Olivia's heart. Just not for her master. But not for her master. No, for so Cesario. For Cesario. Olivia's so impressed with how well-spoken she is and how you know romantic the speech is and this is a great speech i really enjoyed this one because you know when she goes off script she tells olivia you know if i loved you the way that my master loves you i wouldn't understand your refusal and i wouldn't accept it which is problematic in its own way yeah but but olivia says what well what would you do what would you say and Viola gives the speech of I would I would set up camp at your front gate and every day I would write you a new love sonnet and I would recite it to you and I would tell the trees and the sky and the stars the depth of my love for you until you understood and had to return it and listen that's problematic we can talk about that it is But the speech is real, real good. But the speech is real good. Um, Whatever Ryan may have to say about it. It reminds me of, uh, so, during this time of quarantine, I may have accidentally stumbled back across uh, My Fair Lady. And it reminds, this speech, this particular scene reminds me of Freddie on the doorstep Mm -hmm. trying to quote Eliza, court Eliza. He's just there every day, every day, saying her news. And what I, what I do appreciate, persistence about the way that this is set up, it can be creepy and it is problematic, and we should talk about it. But I do appreciate, I do appreciate in some degree that it's it's not just an issue with Orsino. So it's not just this male will not respect a no when given to him by a female. Olivia does the exact same thing, right? perpetually so it's you also get the other side of it you get it from both oh yeah nobody nobody respects anybody's nobody nobody is respecting the answer of no in this play at all they're also not saying it to each other's faces ever well Well, viola is yeah viola is very firmly saying no but she like she's saying no through a mask still she is she's not being outright with Listen, I'm not, you know, so what the, you think. There are, we'll talk, uh, she talk, does, about, I mean, she, we'll talk she does, about boundaries. She does come out yeah. and say it when when they meet. Um, she, all she tells Olivia is, I am not what you think I am. Yeah. She does say I, that I am not. Times. I am not as I play, which, you know, yeah. without without betraying herself to to Orsino... I mean, we can't expect yeah. a whole lot more than that. But just saying, you know, like, hey, I'm not who you think I am. She does say that. 
She does. She says that multiple times. Okay. More than than once. So, so eventually, so Olivia's falling in love over the course of the scene. And Cesario is oblivious. Viola is oblivious to it. She's just like, well, okay, I guess she won't. If you won't love my master, then you won't love my master. I tried my hardest. That's all I can do. I'll say farewell to you now. I won't bother you again. I'll make sure he understands. And so she leaves and then Olivia goes, oh, wait, I don't want him to never come again. Malvolio, here, there's a ring that she surreptitiously pulls off her finger. He gave me this ring and I don't want it. Chase after him and give it back to him. You you left your hoodie at my house. (laughs) You gotta come get it. Yeah. And so Malvolio has to run after this messenger and thrust the ring back at him and go, I'm so mad at you for making me take time out of my day to do this. You should have just taken it with you when you left. And Viola is flummoxed. So confused. Because she didn't give Olivia a ring. And this is, I think, probably the most famous speech from this play. Is Viola's I left no ring with her. Yeah. And it's her working through the realization that, ah, shit. (laughs) Olivia's in love with me. I I done fucked Come on. Did I need this? I didn't need this. I didn't ask for this. I'm just a simple, probably gentry, maybe, girl, washed up on shore bereft of brother, father, trying to pass as another gender. I didn't need this, too. Ugh. I love it. I love it. I don't know. So, I, it's Speaking of like, the brother, uh, every, everything, everything... What happens next? Even speech-wise in this play is just so forgettable to me. I've been in this play, and I had to reread it again I think to remember you... things that happened. I think you feel about this play the same way I feel about Much Ado, where I'm like, eh, why? Yeah, but Much Ado is actually good. Yeah, I don't like it. I, eh, why? I don't know. I, if I never see it again, I'll be like. Like, none of, I yeah. I just... simultaneously agree with both Beth and Ryan right now. Do you? I do, because I like both of these plays. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you do. I like this play. I think it's fun. I, I just to me, there, there's just nothing memorable about it. There are so many other better. It's comedies. true. There's no, there's no crazy man in the hills digging up potatoes, wishing it or digging up gold and wishing it was potatoes. But it, like none of these speeches are famous. No, it's not. Yeah, here, I mean, I I consider. So Viola's speech that we just talked about, um, the Willow. Well, that's why I brought it Willow, up because it is probably one of the top female classical monologues yeah. to learn. When I've done it for auditions. I'm sure you've done it for auditions. It's actually it listed on the "Do not do this monologue anymore yeah. for auditions." It's so overdone. So, yeah, if you are if you are a female performing Shakespeare and you're looking for a monologue, this is one of the first ones that comes up. Right. Um, You're looking at so in that regard, from our perspective, being females performing Shakespeare and auditioning for Shakespeare, we're going to be familiar with this because it is it's one that the internet gives you as soon as you search for it. Beatrice, Rosaline, and Viola are like the triumvirate of 
roles that women want to play. Young women want to play these roles in Shakespeare because they are powerful and smart. Portia would be another one. But, yeah. Uh, I that I and maybe that's just a very female gaze to have on this play is that this is a juicy role to have. There's a lot of layers and a lot of depth to this woman. Well, like I said, there there are things about this play that can be very interesting, but on its own, this play is not interesting. Okay. Well, speaking we'll of things, talk about that more. Okay. Again, I talked a little bit about her brother and how she's without him. If we go he's to scene, definitely dead, right? Yeah, he's definitely dead. Uh, act two, scene one. Uh, Cassie, can you tell me where we start? We start with Antonio. And a Sebastian. Well, of course Sebastian. we start. Of course, there's an Antonio. Antonio. And a Sebastian. There's always and there's Sebastian a Sebastian together. There's all. They're always together. Um, and you'll never believe this. Sebastian was shipwrecked three months ago, and uh, he was rescued by Antonio, who is a pirate. Ah, there's those pirates. Pirate captain. That's on my bingo card. <laughs> well, and, and funny enough, uh, the where they are, where they're at, Illyria was mentioned in Henry VI as a home of pirates. Which is why it's not safe for women to wander around as women because it's a pirate home. Because there are pirates everywhere. That's actually, there's some language stuff that goes in with this place, with with Illyria as well. These naming conventions. Specifically, that the pirates of plot camp here. I wouldn't want to be a woman walking around where the pirates of plot are. You get thrown it's into okay, a though, storm. because I think most of the pirates of plot convenience are gay, because Antonio certainly is. Yeah. Uh, because Antonio, of course, is head over heels in love with Sebastian, will do anything for him, including coming back to Illyria, where he is a where wanted, he's a wanted a price felon. on his head. Well, he doesn't want to lose him. He's and so wanted, Sebastian is telling him, I gotta criminal. come here. This is the closest city. I'm really glad for three months you've been taking care of me, but I have to see if there's any chance that my sister survived the shipwreck. I know there's probably not. She's probably definitely dead. I mean, we totally, we totally, I totally saw her escape the shipwreck with the captain, but clearly they're dead. But she's got to be dead. Clearly dead. And so they've come to this, this city and, uh, Sebastian's going to go talk to Orsino. And Antonio's like, oh, see, he's the guy who deaf wants to kill me. Yeah, like, um, he knows me. He knows my face. <laughs> but I love you enough. And this is one of those Shakespeare in- instances where it's not subtext. No, it's it text. Is, it's Antonio it is, text. Is, is clearly... Yeah. If you will not murder me for my love, let me be your servant. Like... Sebastian is just blithely unaware. He's he's so He's like, no, 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 you don't have to be my servant. I don't want to serve it. I don't want to serve it. Yeah. It Uh, depends on how you play it. Um, but yes, you can either play Sebastian as totally oblivious, like, oh yeah, we're bros. It's great. Um, you can also play them as being in a relationship of sorts. You could do that. There's there's a couple, because you could do the the totally oblivious. That there's definitely something actually between between them. Um, and you can also play uh, Sebastian knows, but he's trying not to hurt Antonio's feelings yeah. because he doesn't feel the same way. And so, like, 
So there's a, a broad spectrum of ways that you can direct that relationship. Like, he knows, but he's, like, trying to let him down gently. Yeah. All right. Okay. Wait, Antonio so, is clearly in love with Sebastian. Oh, yeah. 100%. That goes back so, to our gender fluidity that's and, and romantic fluidity that's coming up. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and so then, then is actually when we have the ring scene. I jumped the gun a bit. That's okay. Oh, where Malvolio catches up and... Yeah. Catches up and gives the ring. Um, but then we go back to Toby and Andrew who are returning to Olivia's house and it is the middle of the night and they are absolutely hammered. Anarchy! I don't (laughs) don't know know what it means, but I love it. And they get the fool in with them too, so. And they're like, sing us a song, fool. It's three in the morning. Yeah, Festy is also involved with that. Sing us a song. And so they're they're carousing, they're being rowdy, and then all of a sudden Mariah comes out and she's like, you guys need to shut up. It is the middle of the night. You are drunk. Go the hell to bed before I dunk you all in the fountain. Olivia is going to wake up and she's going to call Malvolio. Well, Mal- Malvolio, Malvolio shows up. Wait, yeah, Malvolio he shows, shows up. up. Mar- Mariah threatens that Olivia will wake up and tell Malvolio to go deal with him. And, and, that, and Malvolio shows Malvolio. up. And Malvolio immediately scolds Mariah in front of everybody and tells her, you need to be able to keep these people under control. How dare you be part of this carousing that's going to wake up my lady. And that's when the 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 tipping point comes for Mariah. That's, that's when, when she, she starts goes, to... Oh, I'm going to end you. She's pissed. And maybe that's why I allow it. And I think it's funny because he's so debasing. And uh, uh, yeah, it goes, it goes. And so Mariah's like, you know what? But Fuck that guy. My handwriting, it looks like Olivia's. And I know that he's in love with her. So yeah, I'm going mean, to make it, him look it, stupid. It goes way too and if, far. They lock the him in a... If it was... Yeah, if Spoilers. it was just making him look stupid for a hot second... Okay, fine, whatever. But it's not that. It's such a huge escalation beyond it, that. It gets out of hand. Yes. It gets out of hand. Very much so. All right. This guy embarrassed you in front of a, pup, a couple of drunkards who probably aren't going to remember that it happened. So you decide to have him kidnapped? Yeah. No. Locked in a, locked in a tower? tormented look i have worked jobs where the males who work with me are so condescending so debasing towards me that i would absolutely have fed them to pirates no problems get the fuck out of here but you know feeding feeding them to pirates is better than torturing them fine yes i would never torture but yes, yeah, so they hatched this plan. I don't believe plan. that. They, they I saw this your plan. face. Mariah is the brains behind it. Andrew and Toby are just like, ah, she's great. I'll do whatever she says. She's great. Man, yeah, they they I'm afraid they of her now. They literally <laughs> just go along with yeah. anything. Well, um, they don't have ideas of their own, really. No, unless it's getting no. drunk. Yeah. Um... But the, like, so their plan is Mariah's gonna write a letter 
her handwriting looks like Olivia's. Let's see where this goes. Yeah. And then we go back to the Duke. Asking Viola to tell him, you know, hey, let's let's have a chat. It's late at night. I can't sleep. Let's talk about love. You must be in love with somebody. I am in love with someone. Tell me, tell me all about it. Uh, well, their cheeks are soft but stubbly. So he keeps asking all of these questions like, well, what's her complexion? How tall is this woman that you're in love with? And her answers are always, um, the, your skin tone, she's about as tall as you are. She's about as old as you are. <laughs> I'm really bad. But like, I'm, I'm really bad at not giving away how I feel, but you're so oblivious that you don't even know. Well, and that is because Orsino is heterosexual TM. Well, except is he? that he's not is a much more interesting way to play that character. Well, and uh, that's still that's part of my earlier pin. Yeah, maybe um, this is an excellent play. I don't. I know we did not plan it like this, but this is an excellent play for Pride. Hey, no, it is. It is absolutely. actually because um, you should honestly, you should be gender and sexuality inclusive out the wazoo with this one it's already there for you oh it's it's there it's in the text it's it's part of this show and the amount of productions that play everybody like completely straight and phew glad i uh found out you were a woman before i made a fool of myself we have that play already that's as you like it this play can be a lot of fun you can do a lot of stuff with it and again, I'm going to talk more about the National Theater production because they really did a great job with Orsino of having him be this man who is, I am 100% straight, but then starts really struggling with the fact that he is attracted to Cesario. And in this scene that we're in right now, they actually added a kiss between the two of them. Oh, yeah. Orsino kisses Cesario. And so then at the end, when it's revealed that, oh, Cesario is a woman. They literally had the moment break completely with Ursina going, "Oh, thank God!" Like out loud. Well, and it was an interesting because Orsino is Orsino is a character who, even at the end of this play, still has a lot of growing he needs to do. Yeah, I would say because that's super problematic anyway. It is super problematic, but the play presented it that way. If it was intentional, if it was intentional, yeah, that's, yeah. It was an intentional choice of you know this is. This is what it looks like sometimes. Like, this is how people start to figure out their own feelings. You can go your whole life assuming that you are the quote-unquote default that shouldn't exist, but that unfortunately still does in our society. And it's not until you meet a specific person that you start to even question those things about yourself. Yeah. And so there's a lot of room in this play to work that conversation in. And I think that if you as a director choose instead to have everybody be 100% straight you're doing a disservice to the play and to the audience who comes to watch it absolutely absolutely if we don't need to see that play again yeah we've seen that play a lot okay but yeah so so they get into this argument viola and orsino um 
about him claiming that women don't actually love men the way men love women. We're, like our love is deeper and truer. Men's love lasts longer. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite Jane Austen novels is Persuasion, as you know. Yes. And this fucking argument comes up again there as well. It does. It does. But I hate this argument. It's dumb. It's dumb. But Um, it makes for a nice, like, let's talk about love moment. Yeah, and and there's ways to play Viola to show that she doesn't agree with that sentiment and thinks Orsino's dumb for having it. Well, I mean, she does take a moment and talk about her sister's love for a man and how deep that is. And that's that's the, the argument that she brings back on him to prove that no women do do love as deeply as men do and she talks about why well, my father she doesn't say i had a sister because again like you said beth and i'm really interested in this point she goes out of her way to not lie right from and so instead of saying i had a sister she says my father had a daughter right who loved a man mm-hmm. and then Later, uh, the Duke says, well, did your sister die from her love? And her response is, I am all the daughters of my father's house. Which is not even a lie. It's just it's being not. like, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I was talking about me. Hey, hey, hey. are you drinking too much? Like, over here. It's me, over it's here. me. I'm talking about me. So, yeah. You too. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. Oh my gosh, we're still in Act Two. Yeah, I know. we're digressing a lot. On it. We have a lot of pins for this one, which is kind of good because the last play we didn't have a lot of pins for. I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so back to so, then, so this then we get to this next scene is easy and quick. So we get back to Sir Toby. For Beth. I missed it because I didn't. Twelfth eye blows. <laughs> I can't even remember what play it was. It sucked so bad because it was so bad I forgot it. <sighs> All right. But yeah, so then the last scene of Act 2 is the, the tricking of Malvolio. Right. So Mariah has written this letter. And they just kind of leave it out there. And yeah, it's just, it's hanging out in the garden. Right. Well, and that's the, for anyone to stumble he's upon. He's the steward, so I mean, he's going to see, you know, he's wandering yeah. around bustling about the grounds and things. He will find and it. And this they, you scene. Know, they know he's going to go through there and find it. Well, this scene is like the peak comedy of the show, honestly, because you've got Malvolio reading this letter in the garden, and you've got Mariah, Toby, Andrew, and their friend Fabian hiding in the garden. And they're, to watch they're hiding and watching, yes. So I need to pause for just a second. I know I said I was going to go fast. But the funniest Shakespeare I've ever seen produced was Beautiful Kids doing this because they literally just pretty much had freaking pots on the heads of uh, the drunkards. I still have there, that bandana flower headband. As yes. they were hiding. It's in my prop bucket. Like when we talk about silly worst things ever, that's like, why? It was so funny. So funny. So bad. Not supposed to be funny. Well, I guess it was supposed to be funny, but... You can. You can play this scene really, really funny. And it's... Um, uh, Good Tickle Brains creator Maya has talked a lot about the various versions of this scene and the interpretations that you can do with them. And she's talked about how one of the things that she loves is that there's a gag in here 
where the, the letter is full of instructions for Malvolio from Olivia saying, you know, I'm confessing my love for you. And if you return my love, these are the things I need you yep. to do. Wear these to stupid yellow socks and... Wear these yellow... Yeah, wear yellow. Do this weird gartering. Yeah, cross garter. Smile. And there's one line where it's like, when you read this, revolve. And the gag... It meant something different then, but the gag with productions now is that every time he reads it... He turns around. In each show, Malvolio spins in a circle and then the four who are watching have to like dive for cover so that he doesn't see them Mm -hmm. in that moment so there's a lot of of opportunities for comedy like the scene in much ado where i was gonna say the the garden scene in much ado yeah it's very similar it's got a very similar energy i and i think it's so funny I think it's so funny. This scene, this part of the trick is funny. It's so funny. Because this is the comeuppance that Malvolio The The rest of it is the problem. I said it got out of hand. (laughs) But also, the motto of my house is to always escalate. And maybe I read this again from the point of view of someone who's been so fucked with by stupid dudes. And there's another line from this scene that is also often misinterpreted in Shakespeare quotes, which is some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some have greatness <laughs> on them. Yes. And people use that as like this really inspiring I quote. Have a t-shirt. And it's just some shit that Mariah writes to fuck with Melville. I have a t-shirt with that on there. It says willpower. It has a picture of Shakespeare and on the back of it. That quote is, I bought it at a Shakespeare festival. I thought it was so cool at the time, and later into my career of studying Shakespeare, I was like, oh, that's even funnier. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the power of Shakespeare is just to fuck with people's words. I mean, it's true. true. I mean, people also quote Polonius all the time without knowing that they're quoting Polonius as if this is like the greatest wisdom of all time. Hey. Best line from... Like, not understanding the irony of Polonius saying brevity is the soul of wit. Yes, because they only they only quote the very beginning of that line. Yeah, because you're, you're only getting Shakespeare sound bites. And Shit, look, I have magnets, buttons, t-shirts. Shakespeare sound bites, it's an entire industry. If brevity is the soul of wit, I will be brief. I doubt that. That's the joke. But that's a discussion for Hamlet. Yes. Oh, we still have to do that. Mm -hmm. We still need to get into Act 3. That's one of the ones coming up. Yeah, let's get to Act 3. Okay, so that's what happens. Um, Act 3, scene 1. Yeah, we've already been recording for an hour. I know. Act 3, scene 1 is worthless. It's just Viola talking to the fool and nothing important happens. And then Viola meets Toby and Andrew, who um, are there to start a fight, because Andrew's mad that Olivia's paying Viola all this attention. Andrew and Cesario duel? Well, not yet. Yeah, no. Well. It, they challenge. The duel is challenged. Yeah. The, They're getting, yeah. they, well, get, they set Olivia it up. Comes, yeah. Olivia comes and she's continuing to pursue Viola despite multiple admonitions and andrew sees that and he gets super angry about it and so fabian the shit starter is there going you know you're gonna have to fight him you're just gonna have to do what's gonna have to happen 
You're going to have to write him a challenge. Write him a letter. Fisticuffs. I'll read it to make sure it's good. And Fabian just fucks with him the whole time, and it's hilarious. And the scene ends the best way, with Mariah kind of stumbling and going, have you guys seen what the fuck Volvolio's wearing? <laughs> Before um, we see what Malvolio's wearing, though, uh, we go back to Sebastian and Antonio. They're they're parting ways, but they're going to meet up again later. They've got a meeting place, and Antonio goes, hey, I want you to make sure you're well taken care of in the city. Here is all of my money. You can pay me back when you meet me again at the the place tonight. And Sebastian's like, absolutely, 100%. I will, absolutely. I will totally. A thousand ducats. <laughs> a thousand ducats. Come a lot back. of duck hats. Uh, tonight, uh, tonight, all the duck hats. I don't understand if they're... Most of the time when they talk about an inn, it's just the inn. Does anybody know why it's the elephant? Why does it matter? The elephant was a bar down the street from the Globe Theater. Okay, thank you. I knew there had to be a reason that we went from just like, the inn, I'll meet you at the inn, I'll see you at our rooms, to no, yeah, we shall meet, bring, bring whatever gold you have left to the elephant tonight. So it's like someone was, I don't know. Product place. Yeah, I was going to say sponsoring, yeah. sponsoring Shakespeare. But no, yeah, the elephant is a, is a bar like down the street from this play contains paid sponsorship. Yeah, I just now I want in the middle of a Shakespeare production, the characters turn to the audience and go, and you know what really could have given them a good night's sleep? Bowl and branch bedsheets <laughs> <laughs> on their Casper mattress, wearing Bowl their me undies. <laughs> that was good. That was real. It's an act, no, it's 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 an actual sheet company, and a lot of podcasts get sponsored by them. And so the West Wing Weekly, in particular, does. And so I hear that recorded commercial all the time. But Bolin Branch is a character in Shakespeare too. That's Bolin Broke. Well, never mind. Broke. Never mind. It's not funny anymore. Cut out all of it. Also- <laughs> Chase. He's nope. also nope. cut out all my laughter. No, no, it's still funny. It's funnier history. now, actually. <laughs> I thought she was so clever. <laughs> I was you stupid. You can keep thinking I'm clever, Beth. That's fine. For a second, I'm like, oh my gosh, think of the merch, Jay. Start coming up with like ads for Shakespeare-based products. Nope. We've we've already got somebody on the network that does that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm not going to cop uh, Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. Yeah, they, they, Zach and Griffin already have already have ad reads <laughs> that are ridiculous. They are very funny. There's no reason why they can't come on and make some for us, too. We'll let them do it. Look, we could just have ad reads. <laughs> we could have the ad reads play for Grumble and literal line <laughs> that would be that one in particular would be an act of violence on our listeners just because it is such a gear shift oh crumble oh to, for sure to go from talking about shakespeare to tinder for goblins <laughs> i'm no, sorry it's, it's I, who do you think is listening to this <laughs> Point. It's Point. it's worse than Tinder for goblins. It's Tinder and FetLife for goblins. It's like Grinder for it's goblins. That, I'm yeah. sorry. I think I take a softer approach to this. I think of it more as Bumble, 
where the goblins get to be the ones who really decide if they're going to pursue the relationship. I haven't seen no. the build myself, so it's kind of hard to tell. Okay. I, I just mean, know what I read for, for the commercial. Sometimes it can be scary to be a goblin out I th- there. I think, I think you need to listen to a grumpy. We have gone afield. Yeah. I've, I've been trying to come up with a segue to bring us There's back. not one. Like, goblin There's baby. not one. <laughs> it's not just goblin so, dating. It's you know goblin who's not dating. a goblin? Malvolio. Oh, no, Malvolio is kind of a goblin. <laughs> And he's performing his mating ritual in this upcoming scene. In his ridiculous garb that he's wearing. <laughs> yeah. So so Mariah brings Olivia in and she goes, Malvolio's gone crazy. Just wait till you see him. I'm really concerned that he's lost his mind. And so Olivia comes in and she's like, what's going on? It can't be that bad. Oh, my God. Because there's Malvolio dressed in yellow, smiling. Quoting her letter quoting this letter and she's like he's there, lost I've, it i've yet to see a production where malvolio doesn't partner the line have greatness thrust upon them by thrusting into olivia that happens in every production of this show and again because olivia can't deal with her own shit she's like can you mariah get toby to take care of this this is kind of strange so it's a nice shift like, that toby now has to take care of malvolio yeah. And so she leaves Mavolio to be taken care of. And again, I think it's Fabian the shit starter. Who's like, we should go put him in a dark room. All alone by himself. That'll fix him up. Yep. And so I don't yeah, I don't remember who whose idea it is, but yes, they decide that he's insane and they lock him up in a dark room. And then Fabian comes in, Andrew comes in. Andrew's not involved in that plot with Malvolio because he's too busy off trying to write his challenge letter for Cesario. And so he comes back in with this letter that is absolute bullshit. And because he doesn't want to fight Cesario. He's been goaded into it, but he's actually very scared that he will lose. And Toby, of course, decides to fuck with him. And Fabian is fucking with him because they're both going, yeah, he's... uh, he is probably going to beat you. Can't just sit but, there and uh, play Connect Four all day. Got to have something to do. And why not destroy people? And so Viola comes in and Toby is supposed to deliver Andrew's letter, but he read Andrew's letter and he's like, no, 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 I can't deliver this. It's ridiculous. So instead he goes over to Cesario and goes, uh, you've insulted Sir Andrew Aguecheek, famed dueler. Famed. And he is out for your blood now. He plans to kill you. I was like, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Please, please, please go reason with him. And Toby's like, And of course, Toby goes back and says. And he's like, "Uh, there's nothing for it. Cesario's bloodthirsty. He's after you. Yeah, sorry. He's killed. Of the last 16 duels he's been in, he's killed 18 people. I don't know how. Probably be scared. Killed. 50 men. 50 men. 50, so if it was one. They start this duel that neither of them actually wants to participate in. And you can block this scene to be hilarious as well. And in the middle of it, who should rush in but Antonio? Who's like, holy shit, Sebastian's about to die. Because remember, they're twins. They're, they're twins. twins. And, so and a Shakespeare comedy is not okay without a little bit of mistaken identity. So Antonio swoops in thinking that Sebastian, air quotes, is in trouble. And so he uh, fights off Andrew and gets 
arrested. And he turns to Viola and goes, I did this to save you. I exposed myself to save you. Now I need for you to save me. Please pay my bail. Get me out. Pay my bail. And Viola's like, I've, listen, I'm, I'm really grateful for the service that you, uh, that you've done, but I don't know you. I've never seen you before. And I don't have, you never gave me any money. I'll split what I have with you out of thanks. And Antonio's like, oh, is that how it is then? It is. That's how you're going to do me. I give you my love. Pox on you. And at the first opportunity you betray me. Pox on your family. So. And Viola's like, and and as he's being dragged off by the police, he goes, I thought I knew you better than this, Sebastian. At which point Viola goes, what? But no, Sebastian is definitely dead. He was definitely dead. Toby goes, huh. He's under the sea. You use the wrong names. You're a coward. And Andrew goes, oh, if he's a coward and this other guy doesn't like him, I should fight him again. I'm so disappointed in both of you. Why? Sebastian, he's definitely dead. Yes, he's under the sea. What's dead can never die, Ryan. I'm not going to your Little Mermaid bullshit. <laughs> yeah, because it, it took you five minutes to get the joke. It wasn't a good joke. I moved on. It was. It was a good joke. <laughs> that's that's it why was there was so fine much at best. And so then, Sebastian comes on. So Viola walks off, going, "That was really weird." Sebastian comes on. Andrew comes back on, sees Sebastian, and goes, "Ah, you still want to fight?" And Sebastian's like, "Yeah, sure, I'll fight you if you want me to." <laughs> I'm not doing anything else, Broseph. Let's fight. <laughs> let's get let's let's get it on. And so then they run off to have a fight, and we go back to Olivia, who intercepts Sebastian. She goes, "Oh, you came back." And he's like, "Um, yeah, I did." What came back Hold from on. where? She's like, "Listen, I know I've been pestering you a lot, but please, I just have to ask. Won't you please marry me?" Yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, and Sebastian's like, yeah, all right. And Olivia goes, what, uh, uh, what, really? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to go get a priest right now. Sure. Before you change your mind. Sounds good. Sure, sure thing, I'm going to go bro. find a friar. I love that Sebastian's like, fight you. Yeah, cool. Marry you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Sounds good. What do you... Are you drunk? What are the chances that trap door will lead me out here? for your sister, and you didn't think a duel and a marriage are going to get in the way? Well, and, and, and this is where, like, I feel like Sebastian and Antipholus of Syracuse <laughs> would all get along really well, because both of these people, like, came to this town looking for a twin. Yeah. <laughs> and when they get mistaken for somebody else, their mind doesn't immediately go to, I bet this person knows my twin. Nope. Yep. So clueless. Yep. So dumb. So dumb. And then but they, hey, he's getting go, married, bro. Yeah, well, that's why... It's, it's all fine. Is it, is it really the people who are all there that are like, oh, bite you to the death? Sure. Marry you? And I just met you? Sure. Like, these aren't... These aren't oh, hey, that... my twin came to this town. 
Moose out front should have told you. These are Mensa candidates. I mean, you can you can definitely argue that Sebastian thinks Viola's dead at this point. But still. Yeah, but still he, okay, he's running he into thinks, he's running into people he has never met before in his life. He's not as bad as Antiphilus. He's not. He's not. But um it is still the He is still pretty dumb. bad. Yeah, it's still dumb. Okay. So then we get to the awful scene in the show, which is when they've got Malvolio in a dark room and they send in the clown disguised as a priest to go fuck with him. And they make him think that he's going to be executed and he needs to repent for his sins and that Olivia has asked them to do this. And they basically can make him out to be a madman. So they torment him and they torture him so that he will appear to be mad and he will lose all credibility with all of the townspeople. And it's just, it's kind of gross. This is kind of a gross scene. It gets out. And I don't like it. It goes too far. And this is one of the things I want to talk about in the next pin is that we've talked in the past about how sometimes plot lines don't seem to fit with their show. And this, I, th- I feel like, is one of them. Like, I'm all for making a fool of Malvolio, but, like, I th- this step of, like, locking him in a dark room and tormenting him into if- madness. Right, and I, so, I always thought of it as Shakespeare really didn't know where to go. Like, here's this thing we've created, and this guy will never shut up about it. So how can we fix it? Okay, we just need him off scene for right now, so just put him in a room. A dark room, that's what we do with people who are mad. Just put him in a dark room. And then, like, you finish the play. But that, that and somebody's reading case. it and goes, Oh, is Malvolio still in that dark room? And he's like, yeah, but I'm drunk, so let's fix this. And then he just writes this thing. I'd say, that would, I would say, yeah, it'd be one thing if they just left him locked in the room. What is Another if? thing that, that Festy goes in and tortures him, both as himself and as a priest. Yeah. Yeah, it's icky. It is weird. We can talk about. We can talk more. It's, about yeah, it's a huge videos. reason that I don't like this play. Um, but then we have the wedding between Olivia and Sebastian, and they promise to like, you know, love each other. And here's a token, and we're married now. And we're gonna part ways, but we'll reconvene later. And I'm sure that won't get sticky. Nothing, be- nothing about this is gonna be confusing. Well, he's got to get to he's got to get to the elephant. Does he even so, know where her, she lives? Like, no, no. Nah. How's he gonna find his wife? And so, in Act Five is when all of these like loose end plots come together, and we get everybody in the show on stage at the same time. I love this stuff. So, Act One is my favorite. Five, uh, Act Five, Scene One is my absolute favorite uh, plot device. I guess it's like the parlor room scene and a murder mystery. Where all of a sudden, like, they start trying to figure out who murdered the guy after all the plots been collected. I freaking love this shit. I think it's hilarious. And what was fun when I played Viola about this scene is that she just gets more and more, like, almost unhinged as the scene goes on. Because every single time that somebody says something... It escalates her into, what are you talking about? No, what are you talking? What are you talking about? What is happening to me right now? Because first they're trying to clear up 
this dude, his name is Antonio Orsino, you arrested him. He's claiming that I owe him money. He was really kind to me. You shouldn't beat him up in prison. But I don't know him. So I'm not sure where that's coming from. I don't know where this owing him money shit comes from. Yeah. But... And so then Antonio's trying to be like, for three months, I nursed you back to health from your shipwreck on a ship. That you definitely <laughs> did not die in. That shipwreck like, no, that you survived. With me. And this is where Viola goes, the fuck you say? And then Olivia comes in and sees Viola and goes, you were supposed to meet me. And she's like, no, I, what are you talking about? No, I wasn't. She's like, yes, you were. Because we're married. We made a deal. And Viola's like, the fuck you say? The fuck you say? And Orsino's like, you married my love behind my back? And so he gets all up in arms. And Viola's like, I did not. I did not. I did no such thing. I did not do that. And Olivia's like, I'll call the priest in. And he'll verify it. And so the priest comes in. And she's like, did you or did you not marry me to this gentleman? And the priest goes, yep, I did. And Viola's like, what is happening? To me, right now. Did I lose time? What happened? Did I black out? And so, Orsino is betrayed and he's abandoning her. And she's trying to go after Orsino. And Olivia's like, no, you're my husband. You'll stay with me. And trying to, like, hold her back. And finally, she just yells out that she's in love with Duke Orsino. Which brings everything to a standstill. But then who should stumble into the scene? But Andrew... Not not Sebastian yet. Andrew comes in, bleeding from a head wound. <laughs> because he was in a fight sees, with Sebastian. Sees Viola and goes, you wounded me. And Viola's like, I am so done with everybody on this fucking stage right now. <laughs> I sure shit did not wound you. I did not give you money. I did not marry you. And I did not wound your head in a duel. I did not stab your head. Now so Sebastian stumbles in. What the fuck is going on? And then Sebastian runs in and he's like, What's up, bro? Lady wife, I'm so sorry. I hurt your kinsman, but he was being super rude and he deserved it. He was rude, oh, dude. Hey, Antonio. Hey, dude. I just went to go find you at the elephant and I couldn't. This is my good friend, Antonio. And everybody, meanwhile, is staring between the two twins and Sebastian still hasn't noticed that and, Viola is. And drunk there. Uncle Toby gets up and goes, These two people look the fucking same. Actually, Toby's not here. He and Mariah have eloped. Yeah, Mariah no, this was Toby. Who was Fabian. it? Yeah. Was it Fabian? No, it's Sir Andrew. Sir Andrew. It's Sorry, Sir Andrew. I got my I got my weird drunkards mixed up. No, yeah, Sir Sir Toby has run off with Mariah, and they're getting hitched. <laughs> These for, two fuckers look alike for no fucking reason. Yeah. Random. Toby and Mariah, they're married now. Hey, they're married now. Well, we needed, and so then you finally have the moment where the twins see each other. We needed two people who actually knew each other to get married, and <laughs> and uh, Viola kind of had an inkling that Sebastian might be running around because of what Antonio said, but Sebastian has absolutely no clue, and so they have this scene. Of you know, if you were if you were a girl, I would swear that you were my sister. And she goes, "Well, I got a secret for you. I am a girl." And everybody on stage goes, "What?" 
And she does some kind of dramatic reveal. Yeah. To prove that she's female. <coughs> Let's her hair down or whatever. Flashes the teeth. Yeah. And then it's like, well, this all works out great. <laughs> I hope she doesn't Orsino. flash her brother. Viola, the female, is in love with Orsino. And Orsino now says, okay, sure, yeah, I'm in love with you too. And Sebastian and, and Olivia are married, and that's not going to cause problems later on at all. Nah. And everything seems to be wrapped up, you know, really pretty well. And then Malfolio comes on stage. Bedraggled. Dirty. And uh, accusing Olivia and basically saying, Olivia, I just want to know why you did this to me. Haven't I been loyal to you? Haven't I served you well? Why would you sanction this? And Olivia is the one who goes, Malvolio, I didn't, I didn't tell them to do any of this to you. And I'm really sorry that this happened. And he says, you know, I'll be revenged upon the whole pack of you and storms off. And it's most often treated like a joke, which I think is incorrect. But then they, they wrap up the marriages and they make all the plans and the clown sings and we're done. And that's Twelfth Night. And that's Twelfth Night. It has its moments, but there's some of them are also horrifying. Yes. It got it got out of hand. Uh huh. Got out of hand. Got a little icky there. Oh well, and and you know I don't I I yeah. Who hasn't tried to convince someone else that they're insane? I, I don't change yeah, hands. I, 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 I haven't. I, that's just an effect of being around me. People often say, is this really happening? <laughs> I, I can vouch for that. So, I, I find this play enjoyable. Yes. I like most of it. I like most of it, but I, I feel like you have to handle Malvolio well, and most productions don't. Um, well, and we'll talk, we'll talk about issues. that. There's issues with this play, but I think that you can address all of the issues in a way that makes a really thought-provoking production. And I think if you make this production thought-provoking and a conversation starter, it improves it kind of lifts it through the ranks. I wouldn't call this my favorite. I don't. I wouldn't put it in my top five. I think you have but... to put in a shitload of effort as a director, as a cast, to make yes. this play worth a damn. I think I agree. This, I agree with that. I think Viola is definitely one of my, like, she's in my top ten characters. Yes, I think I this play is in my top ten plays. But I think you're right, Ryan. I think you have to work really hard to make this play worthwhile. But I think if you can make it worthwhile, it becomes a standout. There are elements that can be guided in the right direction to make this a good play. I think it can be incredibly timely. I think it adapts nicely to the modern era. The The problem is, is most productions are done without uh taking any thought in into that i would i would agree with that honestly i would concur i know that the production that i was in and the 
the other Beautiful Kids production, the later Beautiful <laughs> Kids production. The one that I was in. The one that you were we in. We can talk about that a little bit next time, too. Um, we were in. Did not take any thought, consideration, or anything like that. It was just done as, oh, hey, it's fun. It's a play. Hey. Yeah. And um, I think that do- that does a disservice to this material. I think there are plays that are good enough on their own that you can just do, let's just do the play, and it'll hold up on its own. I think this one does require more work from the cast and the director. Oh yeah, you can you can just do Hamlet. You can just yeah. do Mackers. You can't just do Twelfth Night without putting the work in to make a I agree. to make a good I agree production. With that. Even. I don't think you can phone in any of it. Well, I'm not saying phone it in. There's that's a there's a big difference between phoning it in and just like you don't have to you don't have to turn Hamlet into something other than what it is for Hamlet to be good. You have to turn this play into something other than it is for it to be good. You have to take the text and transform it with meaning. With this play. And we can get more into that debate. Yep. Next episode. All right. For sure. For sure. But I think it is high time that we wrapped up this episode. Speaking of, I'm drinking a beer called Shake because this is the Shake's beer. Oh, boo. All right. Well, this is the Shakespeare podcast and I'm Beth Roars. I'm Ryan Haffel. I'm Cassie Greenlee. I'm Chase Greenlee. Say goodnight, John Boy. Good night, John Boy. Podcast is closed. Moose out front should have told you. What, Paul? What, Paul? This has been a Ghostlight Media Production.